This is Making Light. Julie Hurt and Kate Fogger are soul-level intuitives and animal communicators. This show is about us sharing our experiences in the hope it will help others along their path. So let's go make some light. Hello, everybody. I'm Kate Fogger. This is Julie Hurt. And together we are indeed making light today and every day. Um, welcome to our podcast and today Julie I think we are still on the theme of perfectionism perfectionism perfection perfectionism and with our favorite negative belief another favorite they're all favorites we Uh, love them all we love all of them equally some more than others of not good enough this is perhaps I think this was my first one um so a little background into what we do we've been choosing themes um just to give us a focus because we found actually when we were doing stuff that things would always come up around us it all seemed to home in on a particular subject or negative belief and so we decided well if we chose the subject in advance then presumably things would come up around that and actually it does seem to happen Um, And it will happen in our lives and with our clients and stuff. So give us uh, lots to talk about. So we decided to choose a theme and then to apply it through the lens of each of the four negative beliefs in soul level intuitive coaches, of which Julie and I are both one, if that is correct grammatically. Um, We have four negative beliefs. We have um, not worthy, not good enough, not safe, supported and protected And not lovable, Julie's, for those of you on the podcast, Julie's hugging herself, <laughs> and not lovable. Um, so pretty much all negative beliefs or limiting beliefs, whatever you choose to call them, fall into those categories or across those categories. They could pretty much catch everything. I don't think I've come across one that really stands out as different. Obviously, sometimes there is some overlap, but those are the four categories that we recognize. So we've been looking at these different traits, good and bad. So perfectionism can be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. Usually how things come up in coaching, they are things that that hold you back in some way. And quite often you can have what we call workarounds. And that's really what we we think of as a theme really because the workaround is a behavior that we exhibit um in order not to feel that negative belief so if you don't feel lovable for example you may have a workaround of hiding but at some point in your life that you know holds you back really so that's really what we do in, in soul level coaching if you're interested in more about soul level coaching you can look on our respective websites um in the meantime let's just chat about it so <laughs> perfectionism I'll let you go first Julie I I have a sort of vague idea of what to talk about it's a lot of stuff I'm not quite sure how it wedges in but I'm sure it will one way as Abraham Hicks always says um, we will wedge our message between the cracks (laughs) you can't tell you can't tell me in perfectionist mode that there's going to be cracks because that's just absolutely triggered me like thinking, oh no, I'm not good enough. There's going to be cracks. How can there be cracks? I can't. (laughs) I've got a wonderful, I don't think I actually bought the card, but it was one of these things about how cracks are good because that's the cracked as in cracked people, which isn't really a phrase we use here. I don't know if it's an American phrase, cracked as in a little bit screwy in the head. You say I know a phrase we use is people refer to themselves as broken. There's broken hearted and then there's broken people. I don't know. This is more I don't know. 
is a card that says blessed are the cracked because that's how the light comes in or something like that um but cracked i think we I think maybe it's a very old-fashioned term cracked tend to be like you know people of questionable mental capacity yeah but i love that so what well, blessed are the cracked for they let the light in or something like that we could just do i'm just gonna little tangent we're just we could do a whole episode on a word <laughs> and how it gets used positively and negatively because I just went down a whole cracked cracker all this type of thing that's just like oh this is okay so we're gonna back that bus up anyway <laughs> so you want me to start with, with perfectionism and not oh, good enough oh, forget about the cracks Julie let's focus on okay. perfectionism all right yeah so yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking this, because I was, I usually check in with my guides before we get on camera just to say, okay, you know, give me, you know, can you, what, what should we talk about? Where should we focus today? How can, what's for the greatest and highest good to focus on this topic? And they actually showed me the inverse to a degree. So like for me, um, I know that um, in an effort to help me feel good enough I will try to do things as perfect as I possibly can and on the inverse when I believe that there is no way for me to feel good enough I won't even try so I've had both come like in you know and it's like it's almost like you know and I'm not saying this is true for the people that would have this, but you know how like people that are really smart and then they go to school, but then they, they don't necessarily do well in school because school isn't necessarily suited for them because it doesn't really engage them on all levels. And I'm not saying that that's actually what's happening here as far as like the perfectionism, but it's kind of like that. If I can see if something's not really tripping my trigger or the people involved to me are on such a higher level, according to my own judgment, which is looking through my lenses of negative beliefs of not being, my big one's not worthy, not being worthy or even not being good enough. I may not try because if I even try and put myself up there and it's less than perfect, oh my gosh, I've just opened myself up for a whole lot of shite, as you like to say. Say what? But that's just it. That's that's as far as the ego goes, a whole lot of dot, dot, dot. But what? What are you holding yourself open to? What do you think would happen? Just I'm just playing with you now. Oh, I think I actually think that far ahead. It's like fear quite often is quite limited in that we just go. And that's as far as it goes. You don't actually think it through. What what would happen? Well, it's it's like I create a story. So there's a thinking through, but to me, it's all fiction based, right? So I think they're going to like, for example, let's say I was in like a lasagna cook-off. I, I am actually really hungry for lasagna of late um, because I'm not supposed to have dairy, meat, flour. I mean, pretty much everything in lasagna. So I've been a little bit obsessed with it of late because I can't have it. You know, you want what you can't have. Um, <laughs> and it's driving me mad. You're going to have to call us the lasagna papers or something. Lasagna, yeah, yeah. So say like, say like I have an opportunity to be in like a lasagna cook-off. And I, I like the recipe that I have and I'm happy. It makes me happy, right? It brings comfort and joy and all that type of stuff. But man, if I were to go up to what I would perceive as like, 
Stanley Tucci in The Big Night, if you've never seen that movie, that's another cultural, where he's a restaurant owner, or Tony Shalhoub, who's the other actor. Anyway, these guys like create these this huge feast. Or if I were to go up against, I don't know, other favorite chefs of mine, or even just somebody else that whose cooking I appreciate, and we were all to come with lasagna, I will, I would just be like, oh, there's just, mine's just going to be like, mine uses like, Midwestern depression era type because it's my grandmother's right so it's like Midwestern depression era ingredients like cottage cheese instead of like ricotta or whatever like we the way that I was taught lasagna was you know back in the 1930s 20s and 30s kind of lasagna you know or I, yeah and so I would just be like okay well maybe maybe I'll put it together no I think I'm just gonna call in sick and that's, so the fear that would come in or that not good enough would just actually really work really well and shut me down where it would actually feel better to not participate instead of. Because the horror, the horror of what not having a best lasagna is just unthinkable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the ridicule. Oh yeah. The ridicule would be, yeah. But there wouldn't be any, would there? This is what's so stupid. No, they probably think mine was the best because it was done so cheap. Yeah, it was so totally. unusual. Actually, do you know what you've just reminded me? Because it's funny how not good enough is one of these. Um, not this is a complete aside, but I have to tell you, um, how it's one of those triggers for, um, getting annoyed and getting frustrated and defensive. Is this not good enough? And I remember Gary, who's really quite fussy about what he eats, and he has a really what I would call Spartan lifestyle in a sense, and. To be fair, it's probably me that's taught him all these habits that I have since grown out of, low fat, all these sort of, you know, so he still holds on to them. I'd had a conversation with him about animal fat not being bad for you. And I, like, I can't get through to him anymore. And it's like, just leave him alone, Kate. But anyway, but he now believes all these things that I believed 20 years ago about not eating fat. So like he won't eat fat and he won't eat this and he won't. Anyway, when he's at other people's houses, obviously he eats whatever he's given. And he'd come back from, I've got a friend that she's, my Gary's one of Gary's best friend's wife is American I think she's I can't remember where she's from anyway she does really beautiful cooking elaborate and but of course it's all cream butter um and stuff like that and he'd come back raving about Anna's cooking and I was living I was like if I was a fucking pack of butter you know if you would let me put a pack of butter in your you know of course it would taste good it's funny I just thought of that when you're talking about your Spartan lasagna recipe which actually you know who who eats cottage cheese I mean that's fucking Rosemary Connolly low-fact cookbook 19 it was that not 1900s but that was the 90s nobody eats do they does anybody eat cottage cheese anymore they do yeah so my um my one stepson who's in his early 30s school teacher public school teacher in Detroit fabulous man um he was telling us actually it's like on the rise again because it's such a really good source of protein and he's got a six-year-old six-year-old son I lose track of time sorry um that yeah they they will eat cottage cheese just because it's such a good source of protein and I love cottage cheese although I was taught to eat it with sugar so I can't eat that <laughs> cottage cheese is one of those things that I just I don't I don't it's like quark they have this thing called quark here which is oh like, I know quark yeah living in Germany I like, remember cottage yeah. cheese mashed up so it's not bobbly that's all it's just like yeah. what, just why would you like what is that what it is I never knew what it was no it's not but that's what it appears oh. to me to oh. Yeah, I mean, oh. taste-wise, you know, it's like I've, I buy zero noodles, which these noodles made from um, konyuku, konyu, kon, it's called lots of different things, but I think it's konyuku or something. It's um, 
they, they eat it in Japan. Basically, it's all fiber. So none of the carbohydrate can be used. And they don't really taste of anything. They smell quite foul, actually, because they're held in water. But if you rinse the water off properly, they'll take on the flavor of what, you know, but they are zero noodles. And as Gary says, zero noodles, zero taste, zero everything. And that's cottage cheese to me. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, of, if you think of all the things that Julie could possibly do wrong, and she comes up with lasagna. Well, good thing that cottage cheese doesn't have like doesn't hold on to a negative belief about not being good enough because we just obliterated it. <laughs> we did. Poor, poor cottage cheese. Cottage cheese. Um, I don't. I don't. You know. I think. I think what it was is because when we had whether we called it cottage cheese in Kenya I don't know I'm thinking of like cream cheese so that's what I was expecting so imagine my disgust when I was actually given cottage cheese for the first time and also what's with the lumpy bits I mean it looks like pebbles like there's something not right with that I just uh, I just think of little Mary sitting who was the girl that had the spider and was eating her curds and whey is that not what cottage cheese is I don't know yeah very merry quite contrary no that's a different one i don't effing know that's in way right we'll look at we'll have to look it up but i know who you mean well right interesting yes so not good enough but what is interesting is that those fears are usually totally what's the word um unfounded but i you see i was thinking of something different when we started this but as soon as you started talking see you went straight to lasagna all i could think of was hockey and games like i was a little fat kid not massively fat but you know i was probably quite fit because we were very outdoors in kenya obviously because it was beautiful weather all the time but we used to have two or three hours of games every day so it was either PE which would be athletics long jump short I didn't mind those sort of things because it wasn't a lot of running but or with they would be do cross country for hours and or we were playing hockey or and again netball I was okay but hockey you know and and I was shit I was with um I don't right in my experience and I think this is borne out by sports all over the world um, a lot of the African nat- native Africa, if you you know, obviously there was a lot, but racially, they were fucking brilliant at all sports. You didn't, I didn't get a little fat white kid. I didn't get a look in, right? So, so I just didn't bother. I did not bother because I didn't. It wasn't even about being laughed at. It probably was a bit about being laughed at. Kids can be quite cruel, but I just didn't bother. Mm. And I have told myself all my life that I'm not competitive because I will not engage. And it's like, you are competitive, Kate. You just won't engage because you don't think you're going to win or you're not even going to come close to winning. So why why put yourself out there? I mean, I used to, I ended up running around the hockey pitch anyway because I'd always be hunting out macadamia nuts and trying to smash them with my hockey stick or chatting or whatever. But I mean, they were ruthless at our school. We used to have to go running every morning before school. They used to have us running around the um, uh, coffee plantation. Um, so, you know, I must have been quite fit. So it wasn't even that. I just hated it. So I wouldn't have engaged at all in anything like that. So I've just, I don't like sports. I don't like games. I'm not interested. But that's a huge protection mechanism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just shutting down, which I, and the other thing that too, that I was thinking that the guides were sharing with me today is like the other ways that you shut down, um, uh, to some degree, this workaround, but it's actually not shutting it down. It's actually a different extension of it. It's when I do do something perfect, 
we shall say everything everybody does is perfect because you're doing the absolute best you can but when I do do something perfect um and then I get complimented on it I actually will do everything to not accept the compliment. Oh, like, oh, you know, oh, Julie, I really love that sweater. Oh, well, you should see the deal I got on it. Or, oh, Julie, your lasagna is fantastic. Oh, no, it's got cottage cheese in it. You know, like I would just totally, no, I won't accept the compliment, which is another form of like, because I'm not, I because I don't feel good enough. And even though I tried my absolute best. So there's a couple of things happening right there from a workaround perspective. Yeah. Again, I agree wholeheartedly and that's a I think that's a great word is that juxtaposition of all this is without knowing consciously that I'm trying to be perfect which I'm because actually what would come to me when we when we when I was before we came on rather than hockey and sports in general swimming was okay I was quite good at swimming um was um being at work again in my, in my corporate environment I would never again I would never have thought of myself as a perfectionist but if we and we talked about this be more Craig last week, but if I was ever, God forbid, criticized for something that ha- had not happened or there was some question about it or it could have been done differently. I mean, I can feel it in my stomach as I say those words. I feel this dropping in my stomach of, oh, like I've made a mistake. What do you what do you what do you mean I've made? You know, and it's like big Ooh. fucking deal. Kate. you made a mistake. Get over it. I mean, I think. To be fair, in the environment we were in, I probably hadn't made a mistake. It would have been, you know, but I see, I'm still justifying, still mm-hmm. saying me, fucking wasn't me. It was the environment, sir. And I think even um, I got told off working in a bar. Can you believe working in a bar? Because I always had an answer for everything. Because if someone said, because I, I would go into the bar and to me, the customers were secondary, really. I was there to tidy up. That was my mission when I worked behind the bar because nobody else would tidy up. They would serve customers. Nobody, you know, I'd get a whole fucking system going so that the you know clean glasses went here, they'd go in the machine here, the old lemons would go there, the drip taste went there. I'd wipe all the shelves. I'd be working my way. Oh, God forbid anyone needed a drink. I would be working around the bar doing the deep clean as I was working because that was sort of, you know... And someone once, I think one of my bosses sort of went, oh, you've always got a fucking answer for everything. And I can remember standing there and feeling a flush of humiliation. He'd made some comment about, he had said something about why hadn't I, why hadn't I done X, Y, Z? And of course I had some fucking grand plan of how we were going to renovate the bar. So I had come back with this, well, because, you know, I was working in a fucking bar. All I needed to do was pull up smile which I wasn't very good yeah. at uh, no good at smiling at people but you know but I can feel that flush even now about something I can't remember which would have been a mild observation of something I might have done differently and I'll be like but 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 you know I'd have this whole grand plan and to feel that humiliation over nonsense is <laughs> just nonsense and mm-hmm. it, even talking about it I can hear that defensiveness in my voice what a mistake are you mad (laughs) I don't make mistakes why I know mine is because god forbid my mother had a look in to anything you know to you know I was I guess that's it for growing up I was always in trouble for so many things that I didn't do but the horror of actually being caught out in something I did do wrong. So I think that's where mine comes from. We've all got different stories, but just yeah. so much wasted time, Julie, so much wasted energy. 
I know. You know what the guides are flagging in your story is how not only did it trigger your negative belief, but the owner, his negative beliefs got triggered. So in an effort for him to feel good enough, he had to put you in your in your proverbial place. And so, and and that's, and we're, and I'm not saying that we're, they're like saying like, okay, now say this part is what they're showing. They're like, so we're not saying that to judge anybody. And in any of our sessions, right, when we look at the, what we call influencing factors of people around us um, in the moment that the negative belief takes root, we're not judging. We're just looking, we're looking at what's going on so that we can better understand them and come at them from a place of, well, understanding, but also compassion. So when we, so the bartender, the, the owner said that to you say what oh manager okay said that to you and he clearly was triggered by you having an answer for everything and therefore had to have reacted from a place of fear to be able to put you back in your place so that you didn't trigger him again well so that let's be honest julie nobody likes smart ass and i was you know I wasn't smart ass. I did have an answer for everything, but I wasn't trying to be a smart ass. I genuinely had an answer for everything because I had it all planned out. Yeah. I knew, but, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say I do like a smart ass in like a TV show. Like when I look at, you know, our dear departed Matthew Perry as Chandler in Friends, he was a smart ass in Friends. Did you, are you, you watched Friends, right? Did you get? I did. Did I know you died? Is this recent? Yeah, yeah, and he died in October. Yeah, because I, I remember looking him up recently. What mm-hmm. happened to him? Because we saw well, a film not that long ago, and he was in it as a big fat army general or something, like or a politician. Not big. Oh, fat. sorry. Listen, that's judgment. Here's you saying we're not judging. I am judging. <laughs> judging all the time. There's a little bit of me that is always on high alert to judge people. And um, I'll yeah. take all that back. He looked very different. Not surprisingly, because it was about 40 years ago. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. And don't forget the second part, the second part of the title of our show is two humans being. So yes, we try to make light. And at the same time, we're also two humans just trying to be. So anyway, we do like a smart ass because we love it when they're we love it when in the moment they can come back with the perfect line. So we love watching that on like the two examples I can think of are Chandler and friends, as well as anything that transpires for the most part on the West wing. That's another story. Oh, or anything written, really anything written by Aaron Sorkin. He's really good at writing smart asses, but when we're in a real life situation, and because the other reason why we like it is because when we walk away from a situation, we rewrite that scenario in our head with the comeback that we wish we would have had. But so yeah. I, I yeah. agree, but I, I'm trying to think because there's something ringing in my head and I can't place it. But I suppose it would be being a manager later in life and having to work with somebody who always had a fucking answer. Yeah, yeah. it's annoying. Like it is. Totally. You know, it's like, because, and I get it now because I'm missing the point when I answer back. Like I'm Mm -hmm. sort of missing, I'm not listening or they think I'm not listening to the message. Actually, I just think I'm smarter than them. I've heard the message, digested it and have an answer. But when you're the person trying to, you know, not discipline somebody, but coach somebody into you, last thing you need is someone who's got an answer for everything because it feels like they're not listening and they're not taking it on board. So I've been on both sides of that. I was a smart yeah. ass, but you know, that's okay. 
I can That's good. Huh? I would encourage that smart, you know, <laughs> I would encourage that smart ass even more today. Why? Because it takes off, takes down the patriarchy. No, we're not going down there today. <laughs> no, but let me tell you this, right? So when I first became a manager, my my then manager, Andy, he was lovely, Andy, and he was very, actually very, um, like he trained to be a counsellor as well. So, you know, he he was a good manager. He was a really good manager. And when I became a manager and, you know, you start having to listen to people and understanding what, oh, and, you know, and I'm very good at all of that, but it can be exhausting. Like you never get to your day job because managing people is, is tiring, as you know, Julie. And I remember when he'd, he'd been off six, so I was really thrown in the deep end because I suddenly had all these reports, all my reports and all of his reports and all of this. And I was trying to deal with all these um, egos and, you know, he had all of that. And when, you know, when he was back at work, it was probably a year later or something. And I just remember saying, God, this is it's fucking hard, this, isn't it? And I was like, so, Andy, who was your most difficult employee? And guess who it was? You. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> because he was a, I was a manager, he's able to tell me that. And I was like, really crushed. I was like, what do you mean? You know, like, I'm, you know, I'm so perfect. But it's because I ask awkward questions. You know, and I don't, I I am, I'm a smart ass and I'm difficult and I won't let things go because they're important to me. So he said it with love, but he still said it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when you said that, I'm like thinking of people that worked for me that were difficult and, and for the same reasons that Andy said it to you, they were difficult for me. And at the same time, they also taught me so I mean, looking back now, right, I can, it, they taught me so much and I wouldn't have changed a thing. I wouldn't have changed a thing. It's, it's aggravating. It's frustrating. And then, you know why the only reason why they were aggravating and frustrating was because I couldn't make it perfect for them. Yes, I, I agree. Because as a manager, when someone has a problem, you both of us are the type of people, we want to fix it. We want to make it okay. And, and you can't. You yeah, can, there may be things you can do, but quite often these are just personality things that they're just going to have to suck it up and get on with it. You can't make it okay, and quite often it's company policy. I'm sorry, you haven't had a pay rise for ten years. Suck it up, mate. You know. So yeah, yeah. Like the last place I worked, worked. I meaning, well, okay. The last place I worked on a payroll, <laughs> um, we really needed to shift the culture of the company, and really needed to shift the way that we looked at not only specific revenue streams, but also how we treated people and engaged them and allowed them to lead and do their own thing. Because doing their own thing would have helped increase the revenue for the company. Um, In my humble opinion, which was never bought off on by the executive leadership, sadly enough, and we could go into that, but we're not going to. Anyway, but I couldn't, but I had a whole team of people who could see exactly what I was seeing and wanted to do all of that. And because we couldn't make the changes and I couldn't, no matter how much I tried to be that pointing under the spear and you can see the bloodied imprint of the brick while I was constantly pounding my head on. Um, and eventually then I lost my job because of it. But um, but anyways, but I, because I couldn't fix it and I couldn't make it perfect for them. It was just constantly triggered. And and yeah, it was just a never under spiral. And the stress that it caused, which then, you know, really impacted my health. Um, and it was so many other things. Like I look back now and I'm like, I mean, I learned so much, but I'm like, oh man, if we could all. It's a hard journey. 
mm-hmm. it's such a hard journey but I think like that like I I I think when I become I don't really become aware of how big this is for me still until I have cause to complain about something you know I hate people at whinge and moan about I mean customer service in Scotland's not great to be honest you know and we sort of make and I've tried to stop complaining about stuff like that and you know Gary will still complain about stuff and I try not but every now and then something will happen and then I realize like I don't give an inch if somebody you know I if somebody fucks up Depends what it is, of course. But if I'm at the receiving end of bad service or something slipshod or emails that get sent out from the council, the councillor had, because the councillor, I'm sure they're already overworked and everything, but like going through this licensing process and all that, like, for fuck's sake, my tolerance is zero. I go straight to, well, you're a bunch of useless assholes. I mean, the good thing is I won't actually say that anymore, but it still goes on in my head. And I suddenly realise how totally and utterly intolerant i am of anything less than perfect just how dare you send me an email with spelling mistakes in it and actually i still feel strongly about that even though even looking at this with the eyes of love it's you know that that starts a whole story about what's happened to education doesn't anybody you've got a fucking spell checker now and you still can't get it right and people who don't put apostrophes in the right place and all of this stuff and all you know the moral decline of the country because nobody knows how to write anymore it's all still there and that's because that's I, I've been holding such a high bar all my life because if it's not perfect, it's just not fucking good enough, Julie. It's not good mm-hmm. enough, and mm-hmm. that's deeply entrenched in me that I hold mm-hmm. other people to that. I try really hard not to. I do try, but every now and then it sneaks out. <laughs> it's so hard. Like that. That's you raise a really good point because now I'm being reminded of um, putting. Like I have had the tendency to put people on a pedestal and look up to them. And then the moment that they show that they are human, I'm severely disappointed. And, you know, and Brad is like, Brad always cautions me, don't do it. You're starting to do it. You're starting to like, it's almost like I worship them and then they cannot do any wrong. And oh my gosh. And he's like, they're human, just like you are. They're human, just like you are. And my dad would always say, they put their pants on the same way you do. And I'm like, yes, I know. But ah, you know, this stuff. And, and what's interesting is since we've been doing this work, I've come across some teachers that specifically say, I am a teacher. I am just helping you. I don't know any more than possibly you do. I'm just here trying to help however I can help. Do not, like, I have one teacher that specifically says, do not put me on a pedestal um, because I'm learning too. And the more experience that I've had with um, animal communication as well as intuitive coaching, and I see how much how much these stories impact all of us. And I'm realizing, and then I even listen to memoirs. Like I just finished listening to Bono from U2's memoir and all the things that he goes through. And he still feels like he's not worthy. Oprah still feels like, you know, she's not worthy or good enough or whatever the negative belief is. So that everybody's still struggling. And I'm actually starting to see like this level playing field mm-hmm. that we all are here doing the absolute best. And if we can help one another, it can actually go be pretty, it could actually be beautiful, but we continue to try to, we try to be perfect ourselves in an effort to and try to like not understand our own stories, where they come from, 
to allow them to move on and dissipate, if you will. Um, but yeah, that but perfectionism for me also can be putting people on a pedestal. And I do the same. Yeah. And like you, um, it means that when somebody lets me down, it's a big fall from grace because mm-hmm. then I'm angry with them for not being who I thought they were. Yeah, who I felt I needed them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what you say is absolutely right and absolutely beautiful is we are all just muddling along and every night you meet someone and you give them a helping hand up some road and then, you know, they're carrying you over the next bit. You know, this is mm-hmm. a thing about like our relationship and I have others with other healers is we all help each other up. And then there are times when we're down and they're, you know, I don't think I have any of these relationships with people where it's all one sided. It isn't, you know, you'll, I'll, I'll have one person I'll meet every week and I'll go, Oh my God. I mean, you know, it's been me, me, me for the last five weeks and then I'll crash and burn and they're there for me for the next. And you and I have been through this as well all the time, haven't we? Since you feel, you know, we're all just, what is that saying? You don't need to be, you just need to, you don't need to be, nobody has arrived they just might have traveled traveled that bit that bit of the journey before you so they can help you along and that's it and the journey is not linear that's for sure no not at all (laughs) so anything perfectionism julie no i feel like that is a wonderful place to it is a perfect place i hate allow this episode to be good enough and we can come back next week with the final installment of perfectionism, right? Next week would yes. be. I'll have to have a think about that one, not safe, supported and protected. But I'm yeah. confident something will come up. Yes, yes. So thanks for the preview. So yes, next week we will be talking about the workaround of perfectionism as it relates to our need to be safe, secure and protected or not feeling safe, secure and protected, which I always like to equate to the root chakra so to me, anything that upsets that root chakra, that's how I look at that one. But we'll talk about all of that next week here on Making Like Two Humans Being. I'm Julie here. With me, as always, is Kate Fago. If you are listening to us or watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe so that others can find us. Even comment. Um, that helps, too. If you can just make a little, hey, girls, nice job. Girls. I said girls. Women. Oh. <laughs> Human beings. Hey, human beings, nice job of making like that would be great too. If you're following us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform, also please subscribe, leave a comment, rate, review, all that good stuff. Again, so others can find us. We are so happy that you are here. Feel so grateful. And we actually are feeling good enough right now. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week here on Making Light to Humans Being.